It's September, it's a bit windy, but it's not raining. And it's only our second episode since the lockdown was eased. And I can't tell you how joyful it is to have traveled to Dorset. And when I think of Dorset, I think of an ancient Jurassic coast. I think of a lot of history, and I think of a beautiful landscape. And that's what we're going to experience today. And we're here to meet two sons of Dorset, John Whitley and Jay Labouchardière, who are collectively Ninebarrow, a duo that are steeped in the history and folklore of this county and who love walking. They love walking like us and they love singing in the open air. What could be better? John, Jay, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And we're here in the National Trust car park at Corfe Castle on a really rather pleasant September day. It is, day. it's lovely. There's a bit of traffic going past, <laughs> but the castle is looming above us here, isn't it? It is. Is this one of your favorite spots? Absolutely it is. Well, I wouldn't say the car park was our <laughs> favorite spot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the but gateway to it, so many it other is, places. It is the gateway to many, many beautiful places. <laughs> right, so where are you going to take us? So we are going to head up to the top of a hill called Nine Barrow Down. After which you are named. Indeed, indeed. Absolutely. OK, let's get going. Let's get going. <laughs> You are really keen walkers, aren't you? Yeah, we are. Yeah. So is that something that you've always done? It's definitely, yeah. I mean, I since mean, we were kids. As long as we've known really. together, really, it's been... I was kind of a bookworm when I was a kid, so I never really got out very much. But, uh, you know, we've been together for about like 20 years now, haven't we? And yeah. it's been a huge part of our lives. And quite often, if I feel tense or wound up, you know, I can't sit down. I've got to walk out and I, and I de-stress by walking. So I understand that. I do been... really understand that. And uh, <laughs> we know on this podcast very well that walking is all sorts of therapy. In yeah, a way. It's absolutely. A, it's a really wonderful de-stressor and it's a really wonderful time for a good conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we get off this road, we'll have one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, look. That's a train. look, there's a steam train. The famous Swanage Railway. Uh, that's the Swanage Railway, is it? Yeah. How wonderful to see a steam train starting off on our journey. I know. The ruins of Corfe Castle, if you mm. haven't been here, uh, it's a spectacular ruin. Yeah. Was it knocked down by Oliver Cromwell? It was. It was seen as a symbol of the royalist resistance. And, by the um, parliamentarians. We'll come on to that though, yeah, won't we? we yeah, we're we're going to talk, talk about that, about that about later because I think you have a song in store for <laughs> it. Absolutely. <laughs> it looms very high and it does, when you're at the ground level, it does seem to loom really high. You wouldn't have but wanted actually, to be attacking it, would you? No, exactly. It's a perfect defensive position, isn't it? But it's a smaller hill compared to the other two hills around it. Right, so. but it's a very steep slope it's going up. It's not one you'd want to climb in your armour, would it, with your sword swinging? And we're crossing a river now, a lovely waterfall cascading down. Right, so we're going to do a precarious crossing of the road here. And you'll be pleased to hear that the noise of the road is now going to disappear <laughs> behind you okay. as we head into the, 
the quieter part. And we're going to walk under the bridge here where the railway goes over, where we saw that yeah. steam train. And it's, the Swanage Railway is what? A historic railway, is it? Yeah, it so is. it's not connected to the main line anymore. Did they connect it for a short period? They were going to get from Wareham, which is on the main line between sort of Weymouth and London. So Wareham via Corfe Castle to Swanage and get that uh, tourism going. And so I think they did link it up to Wareham I'm for sure a while. I've not yeah. been on it since I was a kid. No, it's one of the, we keep needing yeah. to go on it. So just lay out ahead of me what sort of walk we're going on. Basically, it's a bit of a there and back again. We normally like doing sort of loop walks, but uh, we love this walk, A, because it ends in Ninebarrow Down, which has just got the best views, but uh, the views are different as you go uphill and as you come down. It's what a will we see place. along the way? You'll see lovely views of Pool Harbour oh, and lovely. the countryside around Purbeck, the Purbeck Valley, the sort of stretches on. You can see down um, into Swanage Bay from the top yeah. as well. So it's a 360 degree thing because it's called the Isle of Purbeck, it's not an island you're looking out towards the sea in three directions which is quite special really. You see the Isle of Wight in the distance as well. I think all mm. on a good day, like today, today will be a good day. You'll I'm be looking forward to all that. <laughs> oh it's really warming up now, the sun's come out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had faith that this, this thin veil of cloud was going to be burnt off. And are you both natives of Dorset? <laughs> I want to say yes, I was technically born over the borders in Wiltshire. But, but, they, uh, brought, I, but they brought him quickly back across <laughs> the border. <laughs> well, so what age were you when, when you came over to Dorset? Oh, five days. <laughs> oh right, literally that. Okay. Say, yeah. And what about you? Yes, Dorset born and bred as well. So Jay grew up in a little village called Cranbourne. Yes. Um, I grew up in um, Camford Heath, which is over the other side of Poole Harbour. Mm -hmm. And it's a very special county in so many ways, isn't it? I mean, it's a place of great history, it's a place of great natural history, mm. and you've got the Jurassic Coast. And I mean, do you feel a sense of sort of joy and pride when you think about Dorset? Absolutely. Oh, we really dear. do. Oh, there's a deer. Oh, there. <laughs> just under the tree there, a little brown figure. We can just see that. <laughs> Yeah, there's loads of them. I think she's... Uh, so no, there's two. Oh, there's two, look. There's one, two, three, four, five, oh, six, five, seven. Six. Yeah, some white... Eight travels. White bottoms. Oh, the whole herd. All now running... Oh, <laughs> leaping the fence. Leaping over the fence. There are these, there are these the wonderful... I'm pretty sure they're goats, but I, I'm pretty sure they don't like this. Oh, there are some goats <laughs> oh, in the field. Go, yeah. the, the, they are the, the, the deer have you, shot across if, the field of goats. If you wait for one of these guys to come out, they are absolutely amazing because they've got four horns. Two going up go. and two going down, and they look like something out of some kind <laughs> Lord of, of the Rings uh, or something. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah, Guillermo del Toro movie kind of thing. Yeah, and that's that one. That's got a huge pair of horns on on his head. I'm talking about the goats now, not the deer. Let's just be clear about that. And uh, you get a very nice rug, wouldn't you, from their coats because they're they're, they're sort of brown and brown and white. <laughs> just you know thinking practically <laughs> but, and the deer are still in the field there with them what you can hear What's in the that? back I, I don't know if the microphones can pick that up but that's the tank range over at Lulworth and they are currently firing and you can feel it through the ground as well as hear it's a it very uh, powerful explosion yeah. actually isn't it I mean if the wind is in the right direction our house which is absolutely miles in the other direction you can still hear you it you can hear it yeah, and yeah. you can sometimes feel it through the building as well it's, um, <laughs> and they're just practicing there yes that's the range it kind of, there's, there's some beautiful walks over the tank range but you can't go on the weekdays they're open on the weekends and school holidays but yeah. But you don't want to stray in there at the wrong time. No, no. you definitely <laughs> not. No, it's when you see those signs that says "unexploded ordnance, danger yeah. of death." Keep to and the path. You kind of think that's one day you will keep to the path. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on this path. The deer have left us now, and the goats have gone back into their hut. 
Where would you like to sing your first song? Well, we were thinking the song talks about a winding track and uh, a silhouette of a village church. So this is the winding track, in fact, that the song was written about. So somewhere on this track, I think, would be that quite would be nice. That would be fantastic, <laughs> yeah. with a view of the village church. Summer Fires is one of the first songs we wrote together really, wasn't it, Summer Fires? And Very early on. On the longest day of the year, people would light fires on the high points that they could see and take all their communities up and have a good old uh, sing-song, bit, bit of a jolly. And we just kind of imagined what it would look like to see all these sort of beacons on the hills across the countryside. They used to do this to bring themselves good luck as they headed into the harvest period because there was obviously a great deal of anxiety about whether the harvest would be everything that they needed it to be to feed their families. And so the legend went that the higher you jumped over the fire, the higher your coming harvest would grow. And so that was the incentive to jump high and obviously not burn your backside, obviously being a secondary. <laughs> During the performance, you will no doubt be demonstrating this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, might, I, might, I might let Jay do that one, to be honest. <laughs> Jump 
How did you guys first meet? We met in school. Yeah, it was a year. Twelve. Yeah, it's twelve years old. First year of secondary school, wasn't it? Yeah. And what was the bond between you at that stage? Was it music? Was it uh, cycling, an attitude I of think, mind? Wasn't it? Cycling, we, yeah. yeah. John would organise little uh, cycling tours of Cantford Heath, and a group of mates would all meet up at. Um, what was it? 11.55, was it? Every, every Sunday. 11.55 <laughs> is a bit precise. There is a little standing joke. My nickname is Mr. Clipboard, uh, <laughs> which uh, I think is an affectionate nickname, but frankly now I'm not sure. It depends uh, what mood we're in. So even at the age of 12 or 13, you were an organiser. You were somebody who was you know, there with your clipboard checking them in at 11.55, were you? It's, it's, a, it's a disease, Matthew. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> And when did music start to feature in your relationship? Really early on. Actually, in school, we were in a bit of a covers band together. We did sort of rock covers. What sort of things were you doing? Oh, oh Leonard Skinner. Oh, yes. Goo Goo Dolls, bit of R&B in there. A bit of Aerosmith yeah. at one point. The um, school band bit. But that was kind of 15 to 18. And did you get any good that. gigs? I can hear the steam train again, look. Yeah. The steam oh, train's yeah, going past. Uh, you see it. Oh, and look, there's the steam rising up down in the valley. It's amazing, the wind's in the perfect direction to hear it today as well. Also hear the cows going slightly mad in the background. <laughs> with an additional bit of cow. <laughs> did you get any gigs when you were doing the covers band? Oh, we, we got little bits and bobs. We were doing kind of... What was the highlight? What was the memorable one? Weymouth Folk Festival, didn't we? That was nice. We did... Uh, we were, Oh, you were playing yeah. Leonard Skinner at the Weymouth Folk Festival. Oh, yeah. It wasn't. I don't think it was the Weymouth Folk Festival. Am I getting all? I think it was the, I think it it was was the Weymouth so, Blues Festival. Was it the surely. Weymouth Oyster Festival. Oyster Festival. Oh, Maybe it was, yeah. Oyster Festival. Yeah. Well, there'd be a lot of Leonard Skinner fans at that, wouldn't there? <laughs> uh, so, what about folk music then? How did that? interpolate well my dad is a pretty hardcore folky so he's a songwriter used to run a folk club while i was a kid did um, you go as a kid yeah, yeah i did i mean not not in my earlier years but once we had started making music at school together that was the point where i was encouraged to kind of go and experience it but also my dad used to have a lot of sing-arounds at our pad on the weekend so and were you there have, as well? Did you go yeah, for these? That was, yeah, that was my first sort of taste of folk music, really, was, was getting into the, uh, in the living room with all of Dr. Bob's friends. <laughs> and singing. <laughs> and singing, yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was listening just to start with before I plucked up any courage to actually sing. But, and yeah. do you remember any songs that made a big impression on you at that time? Oh, there's loads and loads. Silver Dagger, I remember loving. Silver Dagger, Ride On, Christmas. Yeah. That communal thing of everybody joining in. You know, we just, we love that, and that really is where it all started for us. And yeah. 
branching out from there to sing-arounds at folk festivals and local sing-arounds at folk clubs. And that's really what we did probably for a couple of years, really, just enjoying the, the folk community as it is. You perform beautifully, and I noticed one of the things about you guys is that your voices really complement each other. When did you realise that? I think it was the early days of being in the folk in the living room. It was definitely those... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Don't you know we're trying to record a podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely was because it's a non-threatening environment where you're encouraged to have a go. Yeah. And I think that obviously in our living room that was very much the case, but for us the folk world in general has always been like that for us. All of our local folk clubs were always, in those early days, very, very supportive and saying, go on guys, give it a go, give it a go. And then when you get a bit of positive reinforcement and people go, oh, you sound quite good together, you should do this more, you go, hmm, well, maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should. <laughs> so we did. So when you were thinking of a name for your band, yeah. uh, did you, take, you know, spend long and hard? Did you have one of those you know, bits of paper with names all over it? And... Actually, it's one of the few things that seem to click really quickly. <laughs> it's one of the only things about Nine Bar over the last the eight years said, that happened it? quickly. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That sounds like a bad name. Let's keep with that. It was wanting something that was of the landscape, I think, that was quite important to both of us. And so I think you, you got the OS map out and we're kind of... No, I was in the bath. Oh, 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 wow. Was it, was, it was it a eureka moment? It was a eureka moment. You could have let me paint a really kind of, you know, literally Jay no. pouring over maps with his square and compass. No. Uh, no. He was, he in, was the in the bath. And did you leap out and say, <laughs> eureka, <laughs> nine barrow? That's the answer. Yeah. Because of Nine Barrow Down, it was either going to be Nine Barrow or Barrow Down. And I just thought, Nine Barrow, it just sounds like it. So we're going uphill now. We yeah. are. The whole walk is going to be well, uphill. Uphill, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but notice, we're not afraid of a hill. <laughs> and is this chalk we're walking on? Yeah, I mean, this whole ridge is a chalk ridge, which we will be able to see the Isle of Wight, hopefully, if the visibility is good enough. But essentially, geologically speaking, the chalk cliffs of the Isle of Wight it's the same band of chalk that links up with the ridge that we're on. Yes, all, all the listeners are going to hear is just panting <laughs> for the next hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and we're being circled by a, an aeroplane, I think, or a helicopter. You get the whole paragliders as well in the summer, don't you? And they get their, their parachutes and well, they're leaping off this ridge. <laughs> yeah. I think the higher you get up this path, if you keep looking back, you'll see the castle re-emerging out. Of oh, the... yes behind the hills. Apparently the village of Corfe, I think, is the most Instagrammed <laughs> village. Somebody said this the other week. Is it in the world? It's something ridiculous really? like that. But looking back now, you can see the walls of the castle penetrating up into the sky. It's rather a lovely view over the trees there, isn't it, as we climb up the hill. You sort of see how much higher the other hills are on either side. And I think that Corfe is... Is Anglo-Saxon yeah, Anglo for Gap. Yeah, for, yeah. for Gap. And so it's actually, even though it looks like it's on top of a hill, and it is, but it's... it's Gap, the Gap Castle doesn't Gap quite Castle. have the same ring to it, though, does it? <laughs> so it's guarding the gap between the yes. hills, the pass between the hills, exactly. from its prominent position on a kind of pimple, <laughs> yes, which a is pimple. a geological term that I picked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but why is it a ruin? What happened to it? It was owned by the Banks family, uh, which is why all the pubs around here are called the Banks Arms. <laughs> And they were royalists during the English Civil War. Um, and uh, Lord Banks went off to fight for king and country and left his 
good lady wife. Um, she, she was quite a formidable woman, Lady Banks, let's just put it like that. So formidable, in fact, that he thought it was only necessary during this time of war to leave her with only five soldiers to garrison this rather massive castle. And some serving ladies, for good measure. <laughs> but, uh... And presumably then the parliamentarians turned up, didn't they? They did. They turned up for the first time and lay siege to the castle and Lady Banks told them to foxtrot and uh, rather than kind of hand it over, she and her serving ladies went to the top of the walls and fired one of the five cannon that was on the top of the walls down at the parliamentarians and they only sent about 20 men because they thought it's only Lady Banks, we'll just waltz in and have her castle and they realised that that was not going to be the case and so they went off tail between legs and unfortunately the second siege of Corfe castle was a little bit more serious because it lasted for 20 months and Lady Banks holds out and in the end the only reason they get the castle at all is because one of her own soldiers betrays her and lets them in in the middle of the night and so they take the castle through betrayal but even the parliamentarians by this point even after 20 months they've got a lot of respect for this woman and so they let her and her children leave with their lives and as she leaves Corfe Castle and before they blow it up they present her with the key to the front gate as a symbol of respect to take on her way as she toddles off towards Kingston Lacey which became the family home for the Banks family after that point. <laughs> and then they blew up the castle leaving it in, in the ruined state that it, it is today. Too, okay. too much of a symbol of, of defiance to be left standing. I have to say it's, it must be the cue for a song. <laughs> Sounds about Is there right, a song? There yeah, is a song. Of course, there's of course a song. there is. We, <laughs> we thought Lady Banks deserved a song. Uh, her brave stand deserved to be uh, yeah, laid down in music. My lady's gown is midnight black On hearth and home she turns her back With her servants and soldiers five She watches as those distant lights arrive no one's coming when you call You stand alone upon the wall No one's coming when you cry You stand as wind across the heath and stop before the gate beneath they demand our cannons our walls and land or face our deaths here where we stand no one's coming when you go you stand
Thorns are higher upon the foe. They are scattered from the gate below. So we'll round the powder, charge and bow, throw our embers from the wall. Place the slow match in the quill, get fire and blow them all to hell. Round the powder, charge and bow, throw our embers from the wall. Place the slow match in the quill, get fire and blow them all to hell. writing is there a set division of responsibility is one lyrics and one music or not normally no we've done it in all sorts of different ways really haven't we over the years and John often does a lot of noodling on the guitar or the harmonium or the piano if it's lyrics it's looking for new stories to write about but sometimes obviously you just get things that grab your attention in the landscape mm. or things that you know you see on the news that just grab your attention you that just make you want to write a song and I think every song's a little bit different in terms it of is, who... there's never been a set way I mean I think for me quite often it begins with the seed of a musical idea which then leads on to the lyrical content I think but then we'll go through the the, the painful process of it. <laughs> Batting it around yeah. and somebody saying, well, that's a terrible line, it doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Songwriting is a painful process. But <laughs> uh, it is like a tug of war more than a kind of beautiful creative moment, really. <laughs> <laughs> but then it all comes out in the end. How do you do the research? We've got um, books, isn't it? We've got a whole books, bookshelf of lots of books that we've accrued and accumulated well, over the years. bookshops and things. And yeah. <laughs> There's quite often a crate of old manuscripts that have just been taken from a house clearance or something and sometimes you find some absolute gems. We were given a big stack of manuscripts by uh, Jay's grandfather after his granny passed away and she used to do a bit of singing. So this big stack of old kind of crumbling yellowing manuscripts and there's a beautiful beautiful set of words in there. Never heard it sung by anybody but it's just a beautiful moment when you find something not only that no one else is really singing and it's fallen out of the wider musical consciousness but also a song that perhaps Jay's granny might have sung at one point <laughs> yeah. as well this is a lovely it's what's a lovely it called uh, bird song and, and it's a song about bird song presumably it, well, it, I'm yeah the actual poem was called the wood pigeon <laughs> you're gonna ruin it? this now aren't you? <laughs> you're gonna ruin because well, you have to make some change in the in the best traditions of the folk world you have to add your own bit yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as you tradition. take it on it, it was a beautiful set of words other than the refrain which was coo 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 that'll do that'll do and we weren't so keen on that so we kind of jettisoned that and we didn't like the title wood pigeon either so we just called it bird song but right <laughs> <laughs> could we hear a little bit of it yeah absolutely <laughs> 
see the sea. You can, yeah. you can see Pool Harbour. So Pool Harbour's to our left. We'll get even better yeah, views. The, the views further we get, get better, up. the higher you go. It's, uh, it's lovely. It really, the whole landscape just starts to expand around you the higher you get on this hill, which is why we love it so much. And I notice uh, in our path ahead, there's quite a large group of cows <laughs> uh, gathered there at the side of the path. I'm sure they'll be friendly. They'll be fine. If, if they were bothered about us, we'd know about it already. They'd already <laughs> ma making their way over to us. So. We have had a few moments in Furboat where we have been, I wouldn't say chased, but maybe... They're very curious. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I think they're quite menacing. Actually. Well, they're Cows. quite large, aren't they? You know, they Let's be clear. They, they, and there's a lot of them. Everybody thinks they're docile, there. but behind those docile eyes, <laughs> I, I think there's plotting going on. You detect <laughs> daisies dangerous. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be careful when we pass through this next gate. I wonder there, if the farmer's uh, here, actually. There's a, there's a vehicle. Hello. Hello, Sheikon. Hi there. We're going to pass the cows through the gate. And meet the dog. Mm -hmm. Hello, dog. Cute sheep dog. dog. Yeah. What's the name of the sheep dog? <laughs> Wolfie. He goes He Oh yeah, he, he normally was, makes a noise. He was having a go. Well, we're recording, so it'd be nice if he uh, <laughs> if he said a word or two. Oh. Wolfie, come on. Wolfie, <laughs> come on. Oh, he's eating the cow's breakfast. Come on. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, a bonfire going on. Yeah, that suddenly, it, suddenly your uh, your landscape takes on a much more autumnal feel. The moment you can smell a bonfire. Yes, I can see it down there, looking <laughs> the, in the bottom of the valley. It's a lovely, lovely day. It's kind of for us this time of year is just. It's perfect, isn't it? It's so lovely. You've got the tail end of the heat from summer, but it's, there's a freshness to it. And everything just starts to look, you just see it's all starting to turn. Like all the trees, you just see there's a, just a hint of autumn kind of creeping into the landscape. It's definitely, I think, probably, it's probably my favourite time of year to walk, I think. You actually now bring parties of people on walks, don't you? <laughs> yeah, what we call Nine Barrow Musical Walking Holidays, which basically kind of gives people the opportunity to, to come to the landscape that we love and just share all of the things that we love doing. Which, so it's, it's all about walking. So every day there's another beautiful walk in a different part of Purbeck. And is there um, a song? Yeah, we songs. do some singing out in the landscape as well. We take people to where some of the songs were inspired and sing. Oh, there the could be a there. podcast in this. <laughs> I think somebody might start a podcast doing that. But has it been very popular? Yeah, I mean, the irony in this is we launched it well over two years ago now, and obviously the pandemic kiboshed the entire. We were meant to be running two sold out holidays this year. So the, the two sold out holidays for 2020 have now joined the three sold out holidays for 2021. And we're now running five next year, which will actually be our first year. What is it about Dorset that makes it so special? It's a little bit hard to put into words. I mean, it's just the sort of place that obviously we grew up here and we spent most of our childhood here. So we feel like we've got so many roots here 
in the first place that we've lived here for our whole lives and we keep expecting to get bored of it and we never do and we have, you know we were so lucky you know with the music to have traveled up and down the country and seen so many amazing beautiful places but we never get bored of coming home and it's really lovely to have that sort of feeling when you're coming home you have got a song by a famous dorset poet haven't you yeah do. so william barnes in the 1800s he was a his contemporary of Thomas Hardy. And Hardy was an admirer, I think. Yeah, absolutely. They were admirers of one another. And Barnes wrote about rural life in Dorset dialect, even while he was writing. It really had already fallen out of use, quite a lot of it. But we absolutely love his poetry. It's interesting because we were having a conversation with somebody online not that long ago who was saying, you do lots of William Barnes poetry to music, why don't you do some Thomas Hardy? And I have to honestly say that whilst I love Thomas Hardy's poetry, it doesn't sing to me like William Barnes's poetry, which has an amazing musical quality. It's got a rhythmic quality to it, and the rhyme schemes just seem to click mm. with us and the way that we write. So and what he writes about just clicks and what with he the way writes that about, we yeah, think just about the landscape and rural life. He just captures the essence of Dorset so perfectly in all of its different seasons and all of its different moods. He's a poet we really don't ever get bored of exploring. What's the name of the song you're going to sing for us? Coming home. Coming home. How do you spell that? <laughs> C-O-M-E-N-H-W-O-M-E. It's words that have fallen out of use, like, you know, he would describe a wind as huffling. Huffling wind, and you, you so read it first really time. That's really good, isn't it? That's a really sort think, of onomatopoeic. What does he mean? But you know exactly from the context of everything else he's written exactly what that wind would have been like. And there's something really lovely about that. As clouds did rise with hasty flight, woods did sway upon the height, and blades of grass did shake below. The hedgerow brambles swinging about. I come back home where winds did swell in walls alone. On primrose beds in windy shades to Burnley's
as the river bend by bend to train on me Do you think a huffling wind is a particularly powerful one or do you think it's just a quite no, gentle I think it's a little gentle breeze. I think it's just a gentle one. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. It's a gentle I'm thinking of Winnie the Pooh and Heffalump <laughs> huffling and you know the... There's a few in Zonshine in the winter as well, there's a couple of other words like wordle, which I think just means whirl. The winds do wordle round. Wordle, yes. Yeah, I like wordle. That's fantastic. <laughs> So I was going to say, is there a doctor in the house? There is um, a doctor and there in is the house. There is a doctor yeah. in the house, isn't there? Uh, because you both had what you might call proper jobs before you <laughs> turned to this kind of itinerant folk music world. And John, you were a teacher, I think. I was, yeah, primary school and, teacher. And Jay, you are, you are still a doctor. I am, yes. Still so a what, what sort GP. of doctoring do you do? I'm a practicing GP and I do the out of hours stuff, the online world these days, and also the typical sort of day-to-day -day surgery stuff as well. But So how has your life changed during the COVID situation? In a way, it hasn't. I mean, because I think we were very lucky down in this part of the world not to be too badly hit. And so realistically, lots of other things still go wrong with people's bodies and the kind of caseload didn't really seem to change very much. The biggest thing that has changed is being on the phone all the time. Right. But because I was doing a lot of online stuff before this all kicked off, I'd been able to get pretty used to that side of things as well and to know what you can do safely by telephone, by video link, and it all seemed to be, you know, get, getting is into that side of work. I mean, is it, is it made your life more efficient? Yeah, it has, it really has. As long as you've got that ability to see people face to face when they need to, yeah. it works really well, I think. Except I do really start to miss seeing people face to face. Yes, That's I think for all of us though, that lack of human contact yeah. you know I've been locked down with my partner so obviously I've had some human contact during mm. this time but the lack of contact with a wider group of people yeah, yeah. we're really social animals and yeah. you start to miss it don't you you really do so well, I, I wonder about your closeness really I mean because I, I know that being a band on tour can be tough you know and being a duo can be even <laughs> tougher do you ever find that the pressure gets to you of you know of living in, in each other's pockets all the time like that yeah <laughs> Well, 
Sometimes. <laughs> We're also married, Matthew. So yes. I mean, that, that, that adds well, a, that adds another, that, another, that adds another layer, layer, of, a layer of complexity to our relationship. But yeah, I know that throughout the folk world, the tradition is that you marry your accompanist because <laughs> the accompanist, you know, you've got to hang on to the accompanist. <laughs> <laughs> so that obviously what happened in, in your yep. case. But you've known each other a long time, and you've obviously had time to get to know each other's foibles and all the rest of it in that time. <laughs> I just wonder if there are, you know, are there any, are there any tensions uh, that, that come from, from being a couple, as it were, in that way? It's, it's, for us, it's always that when you've both got the idea about what's in your head. And I, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed over the years is because we didn't sort of train classically in music and you know the lingo, the language, about how to explain what's going on in your head to get it out to somebody else without, you know, sounding completely silly about it. And it can get so frustrating when you know what you want but you just can't express it. That's when we're trying to work things out. That's the biggest time. That's when you have the flashpoint. Because yeah. we both play by ear. I mean, both of us read music to some degree. Jay more than me, but I, I mean, I play almost exclusively by ear. So when we work together, there is that kind of tussle in conveying the meaning of what you want from a particular melody or, or and whatever. The harmonies, and that's but the it, thing. It's but the... also like if you, we work with other musicians when we're playing as a band, and um, you, you say things to your. Uh, to your partner that you would never say to, <laughs> to, to a professional you colleague were with professionally <laughs> and that i mean but that but, but that's it's a double edged sword it can be a negative in terms of the intensity with which you work and the boiling point is always a little bit lower perhaps than if you were working professionally with other session musicians but the creativity can also be more explosive in a way because of the you know the passion with which you you drive one another, I suppose. You know, yes. and, and the instincts that you must have for each other too. I think singing together, there's an instinctiveness that having done it for so long, you can tell by the nature of, uh, of the other person's breathing, how they're going to <laughs> react and what their timing's going to be. It's such a joy to sing together. And it's trying to get to that point when you're writing new stuff where it's got to be joyful because it's, just it's got not to reach, joyful going through got that process. Reach the joy. <laughs> Keep reaching for the joy. <laughs> I think we've now arrived. We've arrived, arrived at our destination. Oh, this is Nine Barrow Down. We're on Nine Barrow Down. Tell me about Nine Barrow Down. This is at the top of the summit of this hill called Nine Barrow Down. You can see these little hillocks just behind you, and they are the barrows. And there are supposedly nine of them. We've never actually been able well, to count them. Well, there's not nine. actually. Actually, there's um, not. There's, there's 23 of them. Actually. 23? Yeah. Approximately it's, nine. <laughs> yeah, approximately nine. <laughs> yeah, say, it's, it's the visible nine of the most prominent ones. I think. They're the ones that count, right? There's a, there's a, there's <laughs> a long What barrow. is a barrow? It's a so burial mound. Yeah. These are Bronze Age, I think. Bronze Age burial mounds. Um, so. I guess people of worth and renown and glory and all that kind of stuff would have maybe been buried up here with the... And, and you can see why, can't you? Because I wouldn't mind being buried up here, actually, <laughs> because the view is so amazing. Should we, should we, go so we just go onto the top of one of these mounds? And you can get the proper panorama. Uh, so we can see Pool Harbour over to our left, but if we go onto the top of this mound over to our right, we can see the sea stretching right round the yeah. Isle of Wight in the distance over there. It's actually so there we can see the Isle of Wight. really good today. Yeah. And there's a couple of big ships. They've been there for months now. You walk up and down anywhere along really the south coast path mm. in this part of Dorset there are ferries <laughs> moored up because they're not well they're not 
they're, they're not burying they're not anyone. Taking anybody. Moment, no. Yeah. And what's this settlement down here to the right? This is Swanage down there. Swanage there. Lovely where the trains come from. Where the trains it. come from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, where are we going next? This is, this is it. Back to so the this, back. this is the turnabout moment. Yeah. Um, and the great thing is, we, we generally don't go in for there and back again walks. We like them to be circular. This one is just different because at the moment you turn around, you have a completely different view. And instead of the sea and Swanage, you're looking back down the ridgeway towards West Purbeck and West Dorset. So. And Corfe Castle will come back into view again. It is indeed. It's yeah. going to emerge. Let's keep going then. <laughs> To the most spectacular church. Yes, so just mean, it's up huge, the hill. isn't it? Just up the hill from Corth, it is, it's quite amazing. It's known as the Cathedral of the Purbex. And you can see you can see why. Absolutely. Uh, There's a great big sort of circular part coming out towards it. There's a semicircular part, I should say. Kingston's really unusual because it's got two churches, which for a village this small is very, very unusual. The history behind these is that the Lord of Eldon, I can't remember Earl. the date. Sorry, Earl, Earl, Earl of, the Earl Eldon. of Eldon. The Earl of Eldon uh, took over the estate here and, and found the church, which is actually down the hill there, which is now a residential property, was not quite uh, up, to scratch. up to scratch for a man of his status because he was the Lord Chancellor at the time. And so this is the product <laughs> of that. Uh, well, he had a big dream, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a, it's a square-topped tower and then rather gothic looking in, in some respects. There's a sort of little uh, circular tower it's, on one side. It is just so unusual. There really is nothing else like it in, in the local area. It's just a beautiful building, absolutely beautiful. Shall we go in and, and see if you can let's, sing in there? Yes, let's do that. Have you done uh, gigs in here before? We did. We, did. we I think it was, was it 2014? It was actually, I think it was Halloween, wasn't it? October the 31st on 2014, yeah, 2014. We, we did a concert here. Perfect. And... I can imagine as we walk <laughs> through the graveyard here that it was quite atmospheric of an I, evening. I remember on... it actually was quite misty as well, it wasn't was it? It was very yeah. atmospheric. <laughs> Hello. Hey, you? is it James? <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Hello. Yes, indeed. I'm Matty Bannister. Are you the vicar? I am the vicar indeed. Yes. And, and are you happy for us to go in and record? Yes, I am. Now, there is a slight complication. I hadn't realised this was going on, but the organ's being tuned at the moment. Oh, so oh. Slight who, knew, who knew that was going today? But I'll, uh, I'll go and have a word with the organ tuner and we'll. Uh, we'll, we'll Would they mind taking a little break for us? I'm sure they won't. Be nice to hear it. It won't, it won't take long, James, to <laughs> so be honest. Do come in. <laughs> Thank you. We had noisy cows. We've had, We've had all sorts turrets. of background know, noises yeah. today. So. <laughs> I'm sure. Right, guys, what are, you, what are you going to sing in here? Well, a traditional set of words discovered in the logbook of a whaling ship out of Nantucket, put to a, a tune written by uh, the fantastic Tim Laycock, another Dorset folk musician. It's called Row On. Row on, row on, another day. They shine with brighter light Ply, ply the oars and pull away There's dawn beyond the light There where thou goest the word of love Say old words can say Changeless affection, strength to prove but speed upon the way 
Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, what, a, what a wonderful harmonies in this wonderful church. And I just want to say thank you to you, Jay, and to you, John, for taking me to Nine Barrow Down and for bringing me to this church and for sharing your stories and your thoughts today. So thank you for appearing on Folk on Foot. But if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow us to make sure you get all our episodes as soon as they're launched. And please rate and review us so others can find us. If you'd like to make a small monthly donation to help us produce more wonderful episodes, you can become a patron by going to folkonfoot.com and clicking on Support Us. We'd really appreciate it if you did. To keep up with the latest information, you can sign up for our newsletter at folkonfoot.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram with the handle at folkonfoot. We hope you enjoy listening to Folk on Foot just as much as we love making it.